You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory Mailbag Edition. And uh, I forgot what this feels like. We're doing this after a loss. I'm not used to this. The Chiefs lose to the Indianapolis Colts at home uh, on Sunday Night Football. It was... Well, we got a lot to talk about. Let's just say that. Here to help me talk about it. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, how are you, my friend? <laughs> Listen, if we were to have had this podcast last night, not only would I have been a half asleep from a long weekend in a late game, but it would have been a very somber, deflating podcast. But today... We've had a day to digest it. It's time to talk about what happened with this Chiefs game. Like, this is going to be a good podcast. There's stuff that needs to be talked about. It's got to be said. People aren't going to like all of it. People are going to love some of it. But this is this is the good kind of content here. You get to come off a loss. You get to talk about things that aren't going perfectly. Not everything can be sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, it's true. Um, I am I- Besides Craig. Craig can be sunshine and rainbows mm-hmm. at all times. No, you guys are going to get to see a little bit, little bit less sunshine and rainbows out of Craig this week. Uh, I am the <laughs> perfect amount of exhausted and riding on coffee, and I, I'm in a fantastic mood. Guys, if you watched this game last night, you had something that you had a hot take about prior to this game that happened exactly the way that you thought it was going to happen. This was the confirmation bias game. If you <laughs> if you dislike the run defense, it was there for you. If you dislike the pass blocking, it was there for you. If you had a problem with a specific player, guess what? He screwed up this week. So, if you didn't like the red on reds. Yes. Yes. I mean, it, this No, turn off the podcast if you don't like the red on reds. I do, but there, apparently I'll there's a stronger enemies. opinion about the red on reds because of the winning percentage. This is confirmation like, a, bias week. This game uh, was exactly that. So I'm sure we've got all kinds of awesome questions in the mailbag this week. Guys, guys, the Chiefs are 5-5 five and five in the red jerseys. And guess what? This season... They have a better winning percentage when losing the time of possession battle. All right, let's just drop that bomb in to start the show. Uh, Man, you missed a really good five-star review opportunity there. What was it? You said they were five and five. Oh. You got a parlor that... Okay. See, I'm, I'm off my game the same way the Chiefs are. Uh, we got a lot of mailbag questions for you. We got some from the Gmail account. We're doing things a little bit different. We're not going to probably answer quite as many, but I think there's some things that basically caught the sentiments of every Chiefs fan, I think. I do want to start with this one just to have a little bit of fun here. TR Simmons 58 asks with a winky face, what should fans do now that the season is over? <laughs> uh, Eric Martinson also is fear, fearful that you know where the the Chiefs are going to be the Peyton Manning Colts. There's a lot of doom and gloom. I don't think anybody should like the Chiefs can will, still win a Super Bowl, guys. Like it's one game. Like I don't think we need to be like just saying that the season's over. Or and I know this was kind of in in jest, but some people think like there's just no chance that the Chiefs can win a Super Bowl. If Patrick Mahomes is healthy, you're going to win that football game. Uh, last night, I think flat out. I think the Chiefs have stuff to work on. I don't think they can play like that week in and week out and win the Super Bowl, but the good news is that is why you lose. That's why it's called a learning opportunity. And I'm not one for moral victories. Like This was not a moral victory in any sense of the imagination. But the Chiefs are going to get to learn more from this than they are going to be by beating the Raiders the way they did and little stuff like that. So in that aspect, it can be good for the team long term. If they take lessons from it and learn from it, it didn't seem like they picked up a ton of information from having that close game with the Lions going into this week. So I didn't like that aspect of it. But if this makes them look in the mirror and see what they really are, then it's always a good thing. Yes, absolutely. They've gotten bullied now the last two weeks. 
and they didn't respond particularly well either time they played sloppy games in both of these games against the Lions and the Colts. You want to have these out of your system before you get to January. Luckily for the Chiefs, the AFC West is trash. They are going to cruise through this division. Even playing poorly, they're going to beat Denver. They're going to beat San Diego. Yes, I said San Diego. Get out of that soccer stadium. And they're going to beat Oakland. So I'm not worried about them winning the division. They're going to be a playoff team. I would like to see them go ahead and finish strong. That's what matters. It's about being a championship team in January, not in September, October. They have stuff to work on. I hope this is the right kind of wake-up call for them. So Craig, Maddie, and I all came away with something that maybe didn't get completely reflected in all the questions that we're all just really frustrated about and probably hold higher levels of blame uh, for that loss than than what some may be talking about out there. So uh, Craig had a great idea to call it basically Chiefstivus, <laughs> which is they play on Festivus. Uh, the airing of grievances will be happening moving forward for every loss that the Chiefs take on this year. So, Craig, why don't you kick us off with Chiefs to this? Who are you upset with? I have a lot of problems with a lot of you people. (laughs) My guy that I have a problem with, we're talking about a handful of plays in this, blaming the offense, blaming the defense. I have a major problem with Dave Tobe, D'Anthony Thomas, (laughs) this changed the entire complexion of the game. The defense comes out of the half, gets two stops. D'Anthony Thomas fields a punt that at worst is probably bouncing back to about the 11-yard line, but at best is probably bouncing into the end zone. Chiefs offense doesn't get anything going. They are forced to punt with a shallow you know, spacing that Colquitt has there, so he punts quicker than normal. Bad punt. Now the Chiefs defense has to go out and defend on a short field. Guys, they had the Colts in a fourth and one situation in the first set of downs. If Dustin Colquitt is punting from the 20-yard line, he's probably going to uncork a much longer one. The Colts are going to have the ball at the 20. If if it's a fourth and one from the Colts' 29 with a three-point lead, they're not going to go for it. They're going to punt it. That That's a three-point swing D'Anthony Thomas doing that, that changes the entire complexion of the game. That changes everything. I'm frankly a little pissed off that he fielded that and that Dave Tobe continues to rely on him. That's a major, major mistake that had a direct effect on the field position game and just kind of screwed over a Chiefs defense that wasn't playing very well but had done enough to that point. My favorite tweet of the night, hands down, Tyler Inlet says... Can Tobe get a head coaching gig already? <laughs> this is my favorite. Okay, Maddie, air your grievances. Well, I just want to say quickly, I think we're coming up on the conversation of should Jack Fox have made this team? Because let's not pretend like Dustin Colquitt in his limited opportunities punting the ball this year has been particularly good. Like he has definitely taken a step back and it's a punter for the Chiefs. So there's not a whole lot there usually, but he's had some opportunities to really help them out when they're struggling. And he has not been this, his age is starting to show. Let's just say that, but he's not who my issues with. My issue is right up front with big red himself, Andy Reed, Eric B Kafka, anybody else involved in this game plan, because the Indianapolis Colts came out and did the exact same thing. The Detroit lions did only they were even less fancy up front. They literally just rushed four <laughs> players straight forward played man coverage behind it and said, hey, Chiefs, beat us with your bum wide receivers because your top two guys are hurt. And the only person that showed up was Byron Pringle, only guy that could beat man coverage all night long. Andy Reid sat there on the sideline, watched this unfold, and called a handful at most of man-beating pass concepts. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of time to get plays out. Slants, quick meshes, things like that. They don't need seven-step drops to call. Start calling some man-beaters. It's obvious what teams are doing to you. You know you don't have Eric Fisher. You know you don't have Tyree Kill. You know that Sammy Watkins is playing on one leg and might barely be effective going into the game. Why is your game plan all these vertical passes with deep drops when this is what's happening? 
change, adjust, adapt. He didn't even change going into the second half besides running the football more. And I get it. Mahomes was hurt. Offensive line wasn't playing very good. But again, when you throw the ball, try mesh. Try getting guys into advantageous positions versus man coverage rather than letting these young wide receivers that are struggling to beat press coverage attempt to do it over and over again. I saw them one time in the second half. It looked like they showed mesh and then ran whips out of it. And you know who was wide open? Byron Pringle. The guy that can run a route? The guy that can run a route. <laughs> it was it was really nice play call, but yeah, they probably should have started getting some guys running away a little bit because they ugh, it was brutal. All right, my airing of the grievances time. Uh Patrick Mahomes, guys. How about that first quarter? Now I'm not I'm not airing my grievances against Patrick oh, Mahomes. It sounded man. like that. You no, should have seen the no. look on Matt and I's no, faces. No, no, no. Like, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Oh, this is starting off great. You can air okay, grievances Krampus. against my the way I'm airing the grievances. It's uh-huh. just awful. Yeah, no. Look, Patrick I, I was trying to like play into it. Patrick Mahomes was exceptional the first quarter, guys. Did you see? We saw a glimpse. We saw a glimpse of the Patrick Mahomes we are used to experiencing. He looked so good in that first quarter. He was moving around. He was creative. He was changing directions without any problems whatsoever. It was like the same Patrick Mahomes we're used to seeing, only a more experienced version of him. How cool is that? It's so great. I bet you we got that for four quarters, right? Right? No! We didn't. No, we did not! We did not get that because the offensive line keeps running into the ankles of Patrick LeVon Mahomes. We have yet to get the full Patrick Mahomes experience yet this season. We've got it for maybe two quarters. Maybe two quarters. But we keep running into the ankles of the league MVP. He's got a high ankle sprain. He is doing everything in his power to be able to use his superpowers. But we are not allowing it to happen because Cameron Irving has no lower body strength. It keeps getting walked back in to the, the places that Patrick Mahomes can feasibly step to deliver a football. Listen, Patrick, Mah- Patrick Mahomes had no confidence in his offensive line the second half. Listen, he was throwing Irving. off his back foot the entire second half. He was timid. He was hurting. He was hobbling because... Our, the the offensive line is so absolutely butt cheeks. It's ridiculous. They sent four guys the whole game. Four. It was a four man rush. I don't I don't I don't know how many times they sent more than four. It could have been many, if any. Well, there was a slot blitz that dusted Cam Irving untouched. So, <laughs> thanks, you Maddie. Thought, you would have thought that. Somebody mentioned any other quarterback but Patrick Mahomes <laughs> on this podcast the way that Kent is ranting right Cameron now. Cameron Irving is so ungood at football. And everyone that was trying to tell us, well, he's the good pass protector. No! His process has been bad the entire season. He's been holding on by the, by the seat of his pants for the entire season. He has no balance, no strength. A guy whose feet were supposedly move well, they look terrible when he's trying to pass protect. Okay. Is All this right. a good time I to tell you I, that Cameron Irving is a better pass protector than run blocker? <laughs> that, you know what, guys? It, that it, that it, was a good... That was a good Chiefs to this. I, I think that was I, a good I really feel good about this. Let's wrestle. Next, that was a good show. Next let's, time let's we end the show. Next on that. time we need to record this like when my whole household is not sleeping, so I can get in the yelling spirit too. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Oh, if I I'm do. Being honest. I've seen I bla- it. I, I blacked <laughs> out. I blacked out for a minute. Well, here's my favorite part. Cam Irving likes to fall down when trying to block somebody. Like if he would just <laughs> fall down at the snap in the way of the defender it might actually take them longer to beat him. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. But he can't even do that, right? Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, okay. And I feel that like Cameron Irving can definitely play on a football team at offensive guard. He's fine as offensive guard. I mean, you put him but out of tackle, play stuff guard. falls apart. I don't know what, I mean, like, I understand there's a big difference in the positions. I just don't understand how you can go from, like, serviceable at a guard to, like, you cannot be fielded as a tackle. Like, I, I am all for ranking at tackle and Cam Irving at guard with Wiley out right now. Let's let's do that because Ryan Hunter might, might be worse than Cam Irving. <laughs> 
Ryan Hunter might not be on this football team by the time this show is being recorded. Yeah. I yeah. mean, is Khalil McKenzie yeah, still true. available? Ooh. Uh, no, he's in Seattle. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I I guess we can get that was going. That's great. The rest Loved of the it. show. Ooh, we got a long show left. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> a couple questions from AP Nerd Squad at gmail.com. Kevin Clyer asks: Is the defense a product of new coaches, new players, or do you think? This is what the new fin- new defense just is going to be this year. Um, I, I do think that they're not even close to a finished product here. I think that they will continue to get better, but I think the getting better is going to be more of the pass defense as they implement a couple more coverage schemes, a couple more exotic blitzes, things like that. Guys, the run defense, we've been saying it for the past couple of weeks, there's not really a hope on the horizon there unless they're going to go out and try and trade for a linebacker or a defensive tackle. I, I just There's no real way that this run defense is going to make a drastic difference in, you know, in this season. So I do think they'll get better, but I also think that it's going to be uh, mostly the same from the run defense point of view. Uh, Dylan emailed this question into us last week, and it's kind of taken on some more relevance to this point. Uh, if Derek Noddy and Xavier Williams continue to be less than mediocre, are we going to start seeing Kalen or Colin Saunders? I had one opportunity to do that, and I screwed it up. Or is this just a rookie being too far from ready? Maddie, early impressions of Colin Saunders. Colin Saunders is not ready. I think that the Chiefs, if Xavier Williams is hurt and Chris Jones is hurt for a prolonged period of time, need to get Joey Ivey back. They need to make that happen right now because Colin Saunders just does not look like he's ready to be out there. He doesn't look strong enough. He doesn't look like he's processing the game quick enough to use his athleticism. He's just at that point. Now, that said, Naughty, Xavier Williams, we got to figure something out. I know the Colts' offensive line is amazing. I know that Quentin Nelson is the best guard prospect that has come out of college football in like ever. But you got to put up a better fight than what these guys have put up, not only against them, but the Lions and everybody else this year. They are just too slow to flow to the ball. They don't shut down any backside cuts, and they're not even stout at the line. They are just, they're not really accomplishing a whole lot of anything. They're not eating space, they're not getting penetration. You need something from them. They're not getting it. And I don't think Colin Saunders is the answer this year. Uh, guys, we're probably going to lay off the five-star review questions uh, today just because none of them were really about this week's game. And this, <laughs> there's a lot of – I don't know if it's catharsis. I feel good after <laughs> yelling about Cam Rubing for five minutes straight. That makes one taking of us. a breath. Uh, yeah, but um, – so we'll, we'll be back to those. If you want to leave a five-star review, we try to answer those questions as well from the five-star reviews. But let's jump into some of these Twitter questions now. G Trim asks this craig which is weakest the pass protection the running game the run defense or the pass defense i i think it's run defense then pass pro then pass defense then running game um but in order of importance it's pass defense pass protection and then run game and run defense so i'm not really too worried i mean i am worried about the run defense it's bad it's really really bad i just maybe i'm resigned to the fact that it's not going to get better i'm not really worried about the chiefs offense's running game but pass protection keeping mahomes upright is imperative that's the only way the offense moves and then the chiefs really still do need pass defense even though jacoby Brissett didn't have a ton of yardage this week guys they barely threw, and they were able to kind of take what they wanted through the air. They just didn't need to because they were able to take what they wanted on the ground as well. I think when you include the value here, because I think if you're talking about just the weakest, I don't think for parts of a game of football you can take away the value. I still would say the pass defense is the most important that's weak. Following that, I'm going to say pass protection because the pass is always more important than the run in the NFL. It's just the way it is. Run defense, the running game, is like having a good tight end two or two good offensive guards. It's good situationally, but you don't ever need it. It's just nice to have. So while you saw the situation where a bad run defense really played a part in beating the Chiefs, that's going to happen maybe one more time this year at best, and it can still be easily stopped if you can improve pass protection or the pass defense. I uh, I think I'd... I think I prioritize pass defense over pass protection right now, but 
pass protection is kind of this weird thing. Is like if Patrick Mahomes doesn't have a bum ankle, he's able to bail out bad pass protection. But he's not able to do that right now because it's been compounded by the pass protection being at his ankles. So it's like this it's like this weird dynamic there where you can get away with not perfect pass protection if Pat's mobile, but he's not mobile and he's not mobile because of the pass protection to some degree. Ugh. I blame it a lot. Yeah, it's bad. It's getting worse. Guys, it was like watching Ben Roethlisberger try to stumble around in the second bat. I felt so bad for Pat. I felt bad so bad that we're all deprived of getting to see healthy Pat because we've seen it for just a little bit. And it's like, it's, it's spectacular. He was looking better and better and gets rolled up on and then gets stepped on. Don't start me. Don't get me started. <laughs> like seriously, I'm 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 taking the bait. Hey, Maddie, uh, who, who stepped on him? Not Eric Fisher. <laughs> oh, yeah. not Eric. Yet again, one of the times where it would have been beneficial just to fall on the ground, but no, you save those for the wretch. <laughs> it's not. If we don't laugh, we cry. Stags asks, uh, if you're going to talk about the run defense anyway, oh, we are. I'd love to know where specifically the breakdown is right now, Craig. I, I think it would would be easier to talk about where it isn't. Uh, it's kind of everywhere in the front seven. Guys, I, I couldn't have told you before the season started that the one tech was going to be the biggest problem up front there. We talked about how Derek Nottie looked like a guy who could really be good in this game. We even talked about how well Snacks Harrison had played. We didn't say that he was going to be Snacks, but he had a legit chance to be an impact player in this defense based on what we'd seen with Spagnuolo's Giants. He is getting absolutely blown off the ball. All of the three techs are also getting blown off the ball. Chris Jones, Xavier Williams. These guys are just getting annihilated up front. And then Frank Clark has been sitting a pretty good edge for the majority of the year. He still gives up some. On the opposite side, Ogba, Okafor, Tano, these guys don't set an edge. They're they're poor run defenders, which is a little shocking for some of those guys. And then the linebackers are slow. They are just kind of, they're processing quicker, but they are slow to get to the spots that they're supposed to be in. A back like Marlon Mack just makes them look absolutely silly because he's able to be patient behind a very good offensive line and just kind of destroy these guys' you know, poor pursuit and poor you know, ability to get downhill. If you take away the Ravens game, in which the Ravens, Ravens were able to hurt the Chiefs kind of outside the tackle box, teams are running between the B gaps over and over again on the Chiefs. And they're setting it up with outside zones. So they're, you know, stretching it outside and cutting back inside. But the majority of these big runs, the majority of these chunk plays are coming right up the middle. The defensive tackles, the linebackers, they're just not doing their job at all. There was multiple runs where the contain was held by whether Clark or a couple of the good Ogba reps and little things like that, where Marlon Mack was stalled outside, just waiting for a cutback lane for a solid second plus, and just not a single backside defender was crushing, was squeezing down the gaps to stop the cutback. He eventually hit a cutback after waiting and taking a nap. It Ben Neiman had a lot of reps that looked like D4 to rookie year where he was running away from the football. I don't know what he was seeing against the run. After Anthony Hitchens left, he really struggled versus the run. I don't even think Anthony Hitchens has been particularly good this year, but there was a significant step back when he could no longer play and Ben Neiman had to take his place. Damian Wilson has been our best linebacker this year. He flashes once or twice a game with a really good aggressive read, but for the most part, he's still just getting washed out of plays. He's late getting to where he needs to be. He's part of the backside pursuit problem. They just have no gap control when teams start to stretch them out and look for cutback lines. None. Nobody can win their block. Nobody. I think you compound that all with just awful tackling. I think the tackling across the board has been really bad, and it's not just guys that are going for their ankles. I think that a lot of players are just catching guys. They're not they're not they're not playing downhill. They're all cack, they're catching guys and 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 a lot of contact is being made maybe and they're getting them down on the first time but or first guy, but it's also backwards. It's four yards down, you know, four yards down the field. They're, it's just it's just bad. It's just really bad. Uh Kay Gumminger asks 
So I have a general question about secondary play. I keep hearing that the reason the Chiefs are playing poorly is because opposing secondaries are being physical and tough with the skill players. But every time the Chiefs secondary does this, it's a penalty. Help explain. So there's two trains of thought here. The Pete Carroll Seahawks approach that if you come out on the first drive of the game and just physically assault the opposition, the refs are less likely to call physical plays on you the rest of the game. There's some truth to that. The other part is, you can be physical in the first five yards. The Chiefs don't play a ton of press man anymore. So when you're playing off coverage, you're um, usually catching a guy at the end of his stem or his break, which is oftentimes beyond five yards. You're not allowed to grab, to you know, hand check them and knock them completely off their stem. You can be a little physical if the refs are letting it go, but they're too grabby. And I think the issue is Traverius Ward is not particularly quick. Breland is not particularly quick and especially not fast. Kendall Fuller struggles with some transitions when he's having to flip and go vertically. All these guys just are a little slow in their transitions. You put them against fast wide receivers, such as Bashad Breland on T.Y. Hilton for an entire game, he's going to have to grab or he's going to get beat at times. That's who Bashad Breland's been his entire career. He's been good this year, but you keep putting him on fast receivers, he's either going to get beat deep or he's going to have holding penalties. It's just how he's got to play with his 4-6 speed. Yeah, that's that's he hit the nail on the head there. And then conversely, the Chiefs wide receiver core right now can't beat a press. Uh, McCall Hardman has looked pretty not great in the past three or three games, basically here. Uh, Demarcus Robinson can't beat man coverage either. Byron Pringle's really the only guy that was able to gain some separation. I, I think Matt even talked about him in the preseason about how he seemed like he was one of the only guys that can replicate that quote-unquote Sammy Watkins role that can beat man. Listen, Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins changed this drastically. Like All of a sudden, you've got guys that can beat man, that can beat a press, that can make a corner miss and make them pay for it. The, the Chiefs wide receivers right now just don't have that ability and then conversely the Chiefs corners don't have the ability to track downhill or downfield we see a lot of these holding penalties it's not you know right on the fringe either like Bashad Breland gets beat out of a break 15 yards down the field and grabs a handful of jersey guys that's a hold that's a bad hold we're just not seeing those happen because the Chiefs receivers aren't able to create that kind of separation and force those kind of plays without Sammy Watkins and Tyree Kill on the field. Also, shout out Byron Pringle. Uh, he was actually the guy, I think, that was getting whatever they had planned for Sammy Watkins. So that little flip pass in the red zone, uh, some of that motion stuff, I think that was ultimately going to be Sammy Watkins. Yeah, Byron Pringle actually did a pretty good job separating compared to the rest of the group. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Uh, that The whip route I talked about where the, you kind of show in like a, like a shallow cross and then whipped back out, that was really nice. Uh, he motioned into uh he sold a wheel and then ran a little comeback at the sticks separated i think he caught it so i mean he's a guy that's he's done a pretty i liked what i saw out of byron pingle i know people are upset about that one play but he had a he had a good game i he earned all those yards uh we're gonna take a break and we will be back with more of your questions right after this support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
All right, continuing on, we've got more questions from Twitter, and we're going to try to get through as many as we can. Thank you guys so much for all your questions. Uh, let's start with this one. Uh, Vitamin J asks, it didn't seem like we were making adjustments to compensate for Pat's ankle injury and the Colts pass rush like we did in the Jacksonville game. So I I looked, I watched the second half, and I kind of watched post-injury to see if they really did anything different, and they didn't. Uh, I didn't see a ton. I think they were just trying to do what they were trying to do. They are still trying to challenge the, down the field. Uh, maybe they ran the ball a little bit more than they were planning on. But I, there was just it was just a litany of issues with the offense, and most of it fell on the protection. I mean, it's just simple as that. They they tried to hold up. Uh, you know, there's four there's four in, or there's four out. There's five in. Like I'm, it's just that they were sending four, and, and they just weren't capable of, of handling them. So it's just like at, you know, at some point you've got to be able to handle four guys with five with five protectors, and they just flat out couldn't. I agree. This goes back to my whole concept about I don't think Andy Reid did a particularly good job this week. Last week, I think you could argue that at least portions of the Oakland game he was outcoached. I feel like he's been a little complacent this year, kind of thinking Pat's going to take care of the minute details and allow him to just kind of sit back and do the fun, create all these wild, crazy plays that really take advantage of a weapon like Pat. But, and I'm sorry, Vitamin J, I got to hijack your question a little bit because I didn't get to this a second ago. Guys, Please send the more McCole Hardman questions after these last two weeks that you guys did after week three. <laughs> Not that I want to take a victory lap here because there's a wow. lot of time to develop, but you come at me hard on Twitter, on the podcast about, <laughs> oh, I'm wrong about McCole Hardman because he's running through open space, which was great. He did a fantastic job of being utilized using his speed, tracking the ball. These last two weeks, you've seen him be asked to be a complete wide receiver and we've seen how that has gone from bobbling passes, dropping passes to simply not being able to get open. Please continue McCole Harden questions at all times, not just when it's good. And Byron Ping- Pringle can beat press coverage, like I was saying in the preseason, because he had, knows how to use his hands, something Demarcus Robinson and McCole Harden have not yet learned. You watch them play. He arm bars, he swipes, he rips through cornerbacks left and right. These <laughs> other receivers, they slow down, get hit in the chest, and just kind of forget what they're doing. At least somebody in Kansas City won this week, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, about that pass rush. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, you got you guys hit it. Andy's got to be better. Andy's got to dial that up. He's got to know the situation. It's not necessarily that he started the game the way that he did. It's the fact that he continued to play that way into the second half. You go in at halftime, you got a gimpy quarterback, you got a bad left tackle, you've got a dinged up, you know, offensive line and you know, backup wide receivers essentially. You gotta find a way. You have to find a way to fabricate that. We saw him fabricate that type of stuff with Alex Smith at the helm. We know he can do it. It's not a foreign concept to him. So they've gotta help Pat out a little bit more than they have been. I also wonder, I mean, I think the Sammy Watkins injury, I think they were planning on having Sam Watkins too. But you I think had that to plan really on him kind of being at least limited, like he yeah. was versus Detroit, or at least it looked like he was at the end of the game. And yeah. if not, his injury history and him dealing with a foot issue, you mm-hmm. have to have a backup plan. You do. You can't. The, counting mm-hmm. on Sammy Watkins to shoulder the major load in any given game is a bad plan as it's been proven throughout the entirety of Sammy Watkins' career. And furthermore, his replacement is the one guy that played good. It's not yeah, even like they were getting Sammy Watkins' level <laughs> yeah. of production behind it. They essentially got what you would hope for from Sammy Watkins out of that role. Yeah. Right C214 asked, is the red zone defense sustainable, Craig? Well, for those of you who don't know, the Chiefs currently sit fourth in the league in red zone Woo. defense. That's very good. Uh, it's part of the reason why they are 14th in the league in points per game right now. That's also pretty good. It's some of the things that we had asked for this season. Last year, remember, the Chiefs were 31st in red zone defense. They gave up a touchdown over three quarters of the time that they went there. Right now, they're holding teams to under half. It might be sustainable. 
The Chiefs have good safeties. We've talked about them a lot. Juan Thornhill did rotate out a little bit this week with Dan Sorensen. We got to see that trend continue a little bit, but Thornhill, Sorensen, and Tyron Matthew have had a great game this week. One of the only guys who really did get to be a little more involved in some of those intermediate zones when they're up against the goal line there. They get to be a little bit more involved in the run game. You saw Tyron Matthew really get downhill on a sweep that they tried to run. This is It's made kind of the difference by getting them involved because right now when they're in the open field, those guys have to stay back. They The cornerbacks are not good enough to where they can put both of those guys close to the line of scrimmage. They can't trust them. They have to have that over-the-top help because they are slower cornerbacks. So when they get into that red zone, they get to use that barrier as that over-the-top help and get those safeties involved. And we've seen them kind of clamp down in those positions. That's good. It might be sustainable going forward. Uh, Cameron Corwin asks, I'm legit concerned about Frank Clark at this point. We could have signed another middle-of-the-road defensive end and spent the money to bolster the offensive line or linebacking core, or possibly both. Also, Spags ain't it. All right, Matty. All right, Cameron. Please be nice. You're the first one to ask about (laughs) Frank Clark today, so you get the nice answer. If you think Frank Clark has been a middle-of-the-road defensive end, what do we think of Alex Okafor, Emmanuel Ogba, and Tano Passanio? Because if Frank Clark is middle-of-the-road, then those guys shouldn't be in the NFL because he has been that much better than them this year. If you have complaints. If your complaint about Frank Clark is his production, is it matching the price tag? Stand on a table, bang the drum till you're red in the face, do whatever you want. I understand it. To say that he hasn't been good or to even go as far as to say he's been bad is wild. I don't know how you can watch the Chiefs play, watch teams run away from him, watch runs come to his side, stall out in the backfield until the running back can cut away from him, watch that the Chiefs get zero pressure when a player is blocked if it doesn't come from Frank Clark or Chris Jones, and then try to say that he is the guy that is playing poorly. The amount of pressures the Chiefs get when a guy actually gets an offensive lineman to touch him that is not Frank Clark or Chris Jones has got to be the worst in the league if you take off everyone's top two pass rushers. Nobody wins a block besides those two. Nothing was more evident than that in this game once Chris Jones left. I don't think a single Chiefs player beat a single block. You had a couple free rushers on blitzes, and you had Frank Clark playing 63 defensive snaps huffing and puffing, having to take plays out because he can't breathe because they have no rotation. And he still touches Jacoby Brissett at least twice in the second half after Jones leaves. Not a single other person sniffs him after beating a block. Frank Clark, you want to complain about his price tag? Have at it. Just focus on more than just the production numbers here if you're going to talk about him being not good because he has been excellent versus the run. He has been getting better and better against the pass just about every week. And that's still with dealing against multiple chips and extra help plenty often. The the Spagnola part of this is what I'm going to handle here because for the first four weeks of the season, I feel like Steve Spagnolo has called an excellent game. He's made excellent adjustments. I've tried to kind of highlight that with a lot of the fourth quarter breakdowns that have kind of let like the Ravens and the Lions back into this, he's put guys in the right spots. There have been positions where he he had the right call and it's just not executed correctly. And I know that some of that was said last year with Bob Sutton, but guys, he's unpredictable. He's keeping offenses kind of off kilter until this week. I felt like he actually struggled a little bit this week. He got caught out a couple times with his nickel defense out there when the uh, the Colts were in 12 personnel, something that they're always in a 4-3 defense with. Had his nickel personnel out there when the Colts wanted nothing to do with the pass, and they got steamrolled a couple times in that nickel defense. I felt like he didn't bring quite enough pressure. He didn't try and you know, kind of win other than with a three and four man pass rush, that's not going to do it against a really good offensive line. And so they kind of got dominated a little bit up front. This is the first week that I think Spagnolo had some questionable stuff for me. And overall, I felt like he's been pretty darn good. So I, I don't get that uh, Spag slander right now. But thank you for listening, Cameron. <laughs> uh, no, we like you, Cameron. Thank you. You you allowed us to jump off on some things. Thank you. I 
I think it's a disproportionate amount of of Frank Clark angst. Uh, I tend to agree with Maddie. Yeah, I understand. I understand a lot of the gripes out there, and I think some of them are fair, but not all of them. I he's still you would you would notice if he wasn't there. Let's just say that. And also one other thought here, just in general about the defense. I mean, you this defense is enough. If you're really wanting this middle-of-the-road defense, if you're begging for this middle-of-the-road defense, you're getting a middle-of-the-road defense. This defense is better than last year's. It is. I, there's still plenty of things to be concerned about, but I think there's enough progress there, and I think that there's enough production to this point where you can say this defense is better than than what you saw last year. It's a middle-of-the-road defense, maybe on the back end of the middle-of-the-road. So maybe it's 20th. 23rd that should be enough if Patrick Mahomes ankle doesn't get rolled up on they should be 5-0 if Patrick Mahomes doesn't get rolled up on this team wins that football game and we're talking about well you know they only gave up 19 points but instead Anthony Thomas doesn't feel the punt inside the five and then Patrick Mahomes is allowed to go for the touchdown at the end of the game to win never mind let's yeah let's go let's by the way I think Patrick Mahomes re-aggravated his ankle at the goal line on one of those plays mm-hmm. where DeAnthony Thomas. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I don't know. I think I I don't think I th- I don't think the the angst should be directed at the defense right now. I just don't. I just I I understand it's not a perfect uh, unit. It's no. not a good unit. No, I'll say not. no. I think that there's plenty of angst that can be directed at the defense. Sure. I, I I think there's tons of angst that can be directed at the defense. But, I just <laughs> yeah. I, I just I don't think I, and that's not to say that they're not. It's not to say that they're perfect because there's plenty of things that they can be oh, they're working on yeah they're they are but it's it's just it's not very high up the list for me right now it just isn't i but and they need more talent don't get me wrong and this the the secondary is gonna the secondary could become a bigger problem after this week uh-huh. but good lord this is better than last year and you all all we did was clamor for the 23rd best defense in football last year you have that Probably have a little bit better than that, if I'm being honest. Maybe I'm too optimistic. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see as the year goes along. D. Johnston29 asks, will teams be able to play our offense and be successful the way Detroit and Indy have with Tyreek in the lineup? I think it definitely becomes a little bit more of a challenge, uh, obviously. And it's just one of those – a coach that – a guy – I know a guy that played in the NFL. He coached me – in college he played in the national football league and he always talked about in the national football league it's about it's about attrition and it's about matchups if your third corner has to be your second corner because of injury one week and so on and so forth so the chiefs present a lot of challenges when they are at full strength with their pass catchers so a, a worse player is trying to run with mccall hardman and and sammy Watkins and, and so on and so forth he definitely presents uh, more of a challenge and a guy that has shown the ability to beat man coverage consistently. So I think, you know, he absolutely goes a long way. Now that she still have some protection issues, if you can if you can run f- rush four all game and still get home, like that's a problem. I think you saw what this game plan would look like with Tyreek in the lineup with the Patriots last year in the AFC Championship game. Like that is where this style of defense stems from, and you saw the Chiefs were stifled by it to start the game. And then in the second half, they figured it out. They started to beat them. And that was without Tyreek Hill doing much of anything. That's how this would play out. A team's going to have to put extra help over Tyreek Hill. They're not going to be able to keep two safeties deep if he's in the game. That gives more one-on-one matchups with no ability to add extra help, especially against Travis Kelsey or Sammy Watkins if he's healthy. So it becomes significantly harder to play man coverage against the Chiefs if you're constantly having to help over Tyree Kill every single play. That said, the left side of this offensive line right now is in shambles. And until Eric Fisher comes back or Martinez Rankin steps up and shows to be better than what he was with the Texans, I think you can have success making these Chiefs wide receivers, even Tyree Kill, try to beat man coverage in two seconds because that's all the time Pat has, especially if he's injured. And I think that's where Travis Kelsey comes into play. Like, like Matt said, you 
you can't do the same things that Detroit and Indy did to Travis Kelsey. Try and double him, chip him, just beat him up all game long and try and slow him down as much as possible. He has received so much more attention than he has in the past you know, year, basically, from teams. If Tyreek Hill's on this team, if Sammy Watkins is out there, there's no way that you can focus the kind of attention that teams have against Travis Kelsey the past couple weeks. Uh, that's where I think everything goes right for the Chiefs offense. The the third read or the second read going to Travis Kelsey in the center of the field, having a hot read and having Travis Kelsey be able to work with some open space in front of him. That's where they're going to win the most. That's where Tyreek Hill helps the most. Kevo Bevo asks, "What or how, sorry, how does Shady McCoy not get a single rushing attempt. The coaching game plan was terrible. That's why. <laughs> I get it. Damian Williams was supposedly your bell cow back coming into the season. That's cool. When you get a better runner on the team, you give him the football. Period. In the discussion, Damian Williams is electric. He's got a lot of speed. I think you saw it even in this game where he even picked up some decent gains of four, five, six yards. He just does not have the same fluidity and vision that LaShawn McCoy has. And those plays would have been bigger gains for McCoy. Now, the counter, McCoy fumbled the ball. Oddly enough, he fumbled the ball when running with it relatively well. It was up in his armpit. It was in the mm-hmm. right spot. It was just a good play by, I believe it was Odom, the safety for the Colts. He wasn't low for breading that one. And then I don't even know if he saw the field after that. So hopefully it's the ankle injury and nothing more serious, but I, I don't understand how they don't give their best runner the football one time on the ground. Yeah, they, he did see the field after that. Andy Reid talked about it in his presser today. Andy Reid also alluded to the fact that Shady McCoy was missing assignments. And he alluded to pass protection. He alluded to the routes a little bit. That is problematic. Uh, if you've got that on the field, he may be a superior runner. You deal with what it is. Maybe the fumble plus the blown assignments just forced Andy's hand a little bit. Darrell Williams played as well. Darrell Williams also didn't really get to touch the ball. So He's I, in I, pass protection, though. Yeah, he was in pass protection. They trusted Darrell Williams to stay in there and try and help Patrick Mahomes. They did not trust LaShawn McCoy to do the same. And it's, I mean, I, I, you nailed it, Craig. And that's, I was gonna come here with the same thing. Like well. that's, <laughs> that's what I heard. I mean, that's what I heard Andy say. So, uh, it, it's, it, he's, he, Andy's very vague and really <laughs> tries not to blame players or even hint at blaming players. In his, so if if he's saying that, I mean, he's giving you a pretty straight answer. Yeah. Uh, Will Amos Craig asks, defense overall looked better to me, only gave up one touchdown and 19 points. Is this a reason for optimism or am I misreading this? Maybe I should have been asking this question because this is I, I have a little bit of optimism. I, uh, no, I, I feel like they played roughly how they have played. I, I don't think that it was starkly different. The run defense was bad. I didn't feel like the pass defense was particularly good. The pass rush wasn't good. So... I don't feel like they played particularly well. They're opportunistic. We saw that on the Honey Badger interception. We saw a couple of splash plays. They just need those splash plays to go that way. We saw them tighten up there in the red zone a little bit. It's good with some of the things that they're doing. It will get by for now, but they really do have to clean up everything if they want to make this to be to the point where they can really reliably count on a 19-point output game after game. It was enough, though. I, I didn't say it wasn't. I know, I know. <laughs> I, just, I think they have. I think it's been enough to this point. That's, all. I ju- that's, I just that's see, how I feel. I see a defense that looked about the same. The, the yeah, result I, I didn't was the, think they took steps. Yeah, right. I didn't think they took steps this week. Yeah. I just think that they... I don't think that they're the biggest issue with this football team right now, and they've done enough that this team should be 5-0. and That's all. Uh, Casey Dave 85 asks, why didn't the Chiefs try more screens and try to slow down the Colts' rush? The Colts were sending four. A lot of times when Andy Reid is throwing some of these screenplays, he's anticipating pressure, so he's anticipating a heavier rush, uh, more guys moving beyond the line of scrimmage coming at you. 
So when they're sitting at when they're sitting four, it's a it's a little bit more of a challenge to try to to make those things work. You've got more eyes on the football, or you've got more guys that are not attacking the line of scrimmage. They did get one of those off, uh, and then Shady McCoy fumbled too. So, um, I, I, they probably could have pulled. They they probably should have tried a little bit. Also, you know what the other thing is? They tried to slip screen to McCoy Hardman, and it went incomplete. So I mean, they tried some of that stuff too. So. I don't know. Chansey asks, taking out the times he was on the ground from being double teamed by Manti Teo's girlfriend and tripped by Ninja Grass. What is Frank Clark doing well? <laughs> I just, I liked the question and it was funny. So, Maddie, go. I know you've basically. I assume Chansey's talking about the play where Frank Clark was pancaked that NBC showed one time and like 30 Chiefs fans tweeted it out. And somehow all 30 of them missed the fact that he stepped on a wide receiver's foot and was already falling down before he got pancaked. So, there's that. What he does well. I think I saw a media member blame the missed tackle of Darren Lee on Frank Clark too. They did do that as well, yes. So yeah. what uh what is Frank Clark doing well? Well, he's setting the edge. He's playing the run extremely well. Teams are running away from him. They have very little success running outside. The only time Frank Clark has really been a culprit for bad run plays is when he's missing a tackle once he gets into the backfield, which needs to be fixed. But that's still few and far between. As a pass rusher, his spin move has been very good this year. Some people may not like it because sometimes it's pretty clear that it's coming, but he's had a lot of success with it. He's kind of been a speed first and then spin counter rusher this year, which is a little different than what he was in Seattle, where he was a lot more of a power rusher using his length and his hand technique. I don't know why that difference is this year, but it's noticeable. So his inside spin counter has been well. He does a good job winning on 1v1s. It's not great. He does good when he's blocked one-on-one. I think he does a pretty good job handling the amount of chips and double teams he gets. You want more out of him, I understand, but that's what he's been good at, what he has been bad at, tackling. That's the only thing he's been bad at is finishing tackles. Uh, another one for Maddie. <laughs> Jeff Muir asks, follow-up to the question, Chief, Ca- Chief in Carolina hated if you could go back right now and keep Houston, draft Byron Murphy, keep your late second next year, and use the money saved to extend Chris Jones, would you do it, Matt? Okay. Let's break this down. Justin Houston, who just played the game of his career because he actually cared. Like, <laughs> this is the game that Justin Houston has never been so up for besides maybe the first game that Eric Berry was out with cancer. But this is what Justin Houston cared about more than any other football game since then. He had four pressures one sack, two run stops, which is essentially tackles for loss or gains for zero. Frank Clark, four pressures, zero sacks, but also two run stops. Your difference essentially is finishing a sack versus not finishing a sack. One played against the best left tackle, arguably the best left tackle in football. One played against Cameron Irving. I think we can chalk that up to about even performance. And one brings that level of performance just about every week. The other only does it when he cares. So Clark better than Houston, and he's younger already, done. Byron Murphy, good cornerback. Guess what? If the Chiefs keep Houston, they have to draft a defensive end in round one. At pick 30, you're not getting Frank Clark. You're going to have to use that late two you just kept up to also get a player not as good as Frank Clark. So now you have Byron Murphy and a less good defensive end going forward. Why not just draft a cornerback that's probably going to be as good as Byron Murphy in a good cornerback class where you get a better corner and a better defensive end? You do get to extend Chris Jones with that extra money. That's cool. You want to complain about run defense at the same time? Mm, doesn't quite line up. Moving on. <laughs> that was very equivalent to my rant, but just with a different decibel level. Uh, Lloyd Vance asked, do you think ball security is becoming an issue? One thing that people seem to miss the last couple of games are the fumbles. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you've got four different guys fumbling now, I believe, too. So you've had ball security issues across the board. The Chiefs... Patrick Mahomes hasn't thrown an interception to this point. Flat out has not thrown an interception. I know he almost did to this week, but the the turnovers are only happening with fumbles now. Like that's where the Chiefs when the Chiefs put the ball on the ground, that's where their turnovers are are happening. So they got to get that tightened up because teams are trying to get, you know, they're they're trying to turn them over. They're actively doing it, uh, probably more than you're seeing with other teams. So they got to fix it. They have to fix it. Okay, Craig. Captain Corbin asks, who had the worst night, Bashad Breland or Cameron Irving? Bashad Breland had three holding penalties, 
a 53-yard pass interference penalty that resulted in a field goal, a missed tackle at the end of the first half on a second and 10 that would have been would have led to a third and 10 that the Colts then got a field goal. So that's that's six points right there on Bashad Breeland. But he didn't step on the franchise's <laughs> ankle and didn't allow pressure all night long off the left. Cameron Irving was bad, guys. It's Cameron Irving. And yes, Breland did not answer. also make us have to all witness Justin Houston gloat for 10 minutes in a post-game interview. Yeah. Well. <laughs> wow. This was kind of cathartic, guys. Maddie, I think you have a uh, – you, you did a poll on Twitter and you wanted to talk about. Yeah, I did. This is a little early draft talk. We're not going to go too deep into players or anything, but I thought this was fun. And I probably should have done this to start the season. I think – I feel pretty confident in saying 99.9% of Chiefs fans would have said the Chiefs need to draft a cornerback in the first overall pick in the 2020 draft. You guys feel like that's fair? That was yes, yeah. what most people said as of five weeks ago? Okay. I put this poll up. The Chiefs should draft blank in the first round of the 2020 draft. These are the order of the answers. Offensive line received 36% of the votes. Linebacker received 32% of the votes. Cornerback received 30%. 2% said other. Most of them were running back or defensive tackle. Thoughts, Kent? Oh, man. So, okay. <laughs> you, I, Maddie. What I think you should do is, I think you should run this poll next week when Will Fuller and Nuke Hopkins absolutely steal the lunch of whoever is lined up against him next week. Guys, the cornerback position is not fixed. It is still bad. I don't care who says Charvarius Ward is a mid-level starter or whatever. Uh, there's some metrics out there that seem to think that he's been adequate this year they are not good at corner and it is going to get eviscerated at some point i'm just telling you next week it's probably going to be next week yolo balls yolo balls (sighs) over cornerbacks that don't have ball skills skills at all negative ball skills oh my i don't want we're not supposed to be previewing that game but you're going to give me an ulcer yeah okay so me uh, yeah, definitely cornerback. Guys, e- even beyond that, the current cornerbacks on the roster for next season are Charvarius Ward, Rashad Fenton. That's it. A- Alex Brown probably on a reserve. Probably on a reserve deal, but come on. that's n- You can't function with those guys. <laughs> you have to make a move. You have to get a cornerback. Listen, I love Dylan Moses. I would gladly take Dylan Moses. I know we're not supposed to talk about draft prospects yet. Maddie doesn't want us to, but I would well, gladly have- take Dylan Moses at linebacker. I agree. And I agree with protect Pat at all costs, but both of those tackles aren't going anywhere. And if you're drafting a guard at number 30, is he going to be a major impact player for you? I, I don't personally think so. So I'm taking a cornerback in a great cornerback class. This is such a crazy amount of overreaction. It boggles my mind. Through the third week, this I still think would have been 90% plus cornerback. Then you get back-to-back weeks where teams are able to run the ball on you and your cornerbacks. Actually, the Lions even tested and beat these same cornerbacks badly. But since they weren't tested as much as the first few weeks. This week. It's just this week. Because this week was so bad against the run. People are forgetting. And it's not even that this week was any worse than the other week versus the run. Just the Colts couldn't pass because they had Jacoby Brissett and their wide receivers were dinged up or not particularly the best in the league. And they still were able to do essentially whatever they wanted to. Your best quarterback, Rashad Breeland, as Craig just said, had gave up six direct points, gave up multiple long plays, multiple penalties. He was not having a good game and he's been hands down your best. He's so much better than the rest. The Chiefs felt confident having him follow his nightmare matchup in terms of skills on T.Y. Hilton. That should tell you everything you need to know about cornerback. But even if you don't want to believe that, Eric Fisher comes back, Patrick Mahomes doesn't get hurt, Andrew Wiley likely doesn't get hurt, you win this game by scoring 20, 30 points, easy, no contest. Eric Fisher will be back. I know he isn't the Chiefs fan's favorite. 
I think you're starting to get a better appreciation for him. Don't draft an offensive of guard honor. in the first round, please, for the love of God. And I get the call, call for linebacker. I agree. The Chiefs need something at linebacker. The linebacker position is disgusting and how they're playing right now. Cornerback is so much more important when you have two guys on the roster next year and neither one of them should see snaps. Don't overreact. Linebackers are the running back. Linebackers are the running backs of the offense. They just make just eighteen saying. million dollars a year. I would, I would agree with you, Kent. But I've watched the Chiefs linebackers actively <laughs> cost them points and games now, so I don't know if I, I know. can go that far. I, I think a really good linebacker that plays the run and the pass doesn't fit that narrative. One that only plays the run, sure, such as all the Chiefs linebackers, but one that can do both. <laughs> is very important. <laughs> I just don't think it outweighs the fact that the Chiefs have like three number three cornerbacks and none of them are on the roster for next year. Well, that was uh that was helpful. I feel uh I feel a lot better after that hour of venting. And thank you guys for all your questions. I know some of your questions were probably you guys venting as well. I appreciate that. I respect that. Uh, that's going to do it for the Colts game. We are turning the page after this podcast is over. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you all for all of your questions. We will catch you later in the week previewing the Chiefs and the Texans. D'Anthony Thomas! More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.